How you doing today, John? It is just me and you, no Brian today. We are flying solo. Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, can't, can't complain. You know, it, it, we are recording this, um, you know, December 3rd of 2021. So, you know, the current mm-hmm. situation of the environment is what it is, right? But uh, we had a great conversation yeah. today um, <laughs> about we kind of... You know, we, we mostly talked about strategy, but we went everything from, like, communication to team building to, um, you know, asking questions. It was kind of chock full of a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, I think it was a great discussion, I, as I always do when, when I chat with you and, and Brian, wherever he is. Uh, yeah, I find that I, I learn a thing or two along the way, um, half the times while, while I'm running my own mouth. Uh, but now this, this is a great conversation about about strategy, and um, you know certainly I'm not the the world's leading authority on strategy or strategic thinking, uh, but I think we covered a lot of topics that might get folks started on thinking about strategy and and how to do so, and maybe some resources to to start going down that road. So really really fun discussion, and uh, and I enjoyed it and and learned a thing or two myself. So it's great. Yeah, great conversation as always, and let's just let everyone get on with the episode. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us today for another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Nick Lozano and actually Washington at DC today. Ah, nice. And I'm John Abbott in Alexandria, Virginia. There you go. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you actually are. Um, so today it's just me and John. Brian yeah. is missing. Um, if, if you find Brian, no, I'm just joking. But um, it's just uh, me and John today. We're, we're, we're hanging out and we don't really have a topic plan today so i just kind of haven't had john on in a little while you know you've been on vacation so we, we've just released quite a few episodes without you on them yeah. but uh hey you know the thing kind of happens when you have a family and you know a new child but is there any leadership topic that has yeah. been on your mind to your brain lately these past couple of weeks well first of all i'm curious if you think we can get a photo of brian on the back of a milk box that we can distribute and then maybe we can crowdsource uh <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, have you seen this this man? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have his photo and Canva. I can make that happen. All right, that, that'll be our first piece of a uh, lead.exe swag. Is the uh, the milk cart? <laughs> Brian and the milk cart. Oh my gosh, man! I kind of so yeah. want that shirt now. <laughs> That'd be great. Have you seen this man? Oh uh, man! <laughs> Get mugs and everything. It'll be great. <laughs> Uh, leadership topics. Yeah, I've been kicking around a lot of stuff around, man. We're coming up on the new year. Um, I'm working on some strategy stuff at work, and uh, so yeah, I've been kicking around a lot of things. One recently was you know I've spent a lot of time digging up this or putting together this strategy for for my office here at work, and um, I picked up this book um, a long time ago, and I read it a while ago. It's called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by Richard Rumelt, um, and it just happened to be sitting on my desk, so didn't even plan to talk about this, but um, it's a really straightforward book about strategy. Um, the author really doesn't pull any punches. He, he's, you know, talks about how, like, you know, a lot of organizations today, you know, they have their 30-page strategy document and their mission and their vision, but they don't really have a strategy. They've just you know, put a bunch of words and goals on a piece of paper. Um, and it's to him, it's, and I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, um, but you know, strategy is really about where, where policy kind of meets execution. Um, so are you actually driving at an actual strategic advantage? Um, you know, he, he says that in one part of the book, uh, you know, the, the strategy to beat Russia during the cold war was like fit on a single page and it actually worked. Um, which was like basically spend them into oblivion because they can't keep up. Uh, that's that's the short uh, Spark Notes version of history. But uh, so anyway, it, it's I'm I'm looking back through it. I, I haven't. Uh, there's a lot more in there that I need to go back over. I'm only you know a couple peruses in of a few pages and looking at my old notes from it. But that's one thing I've been thinking about a lot uh, lately is strategy. Um, and am I actually building a strategy or am I just putting a bunch of flowery words on a document that I hope people will read and care about um and un, you know unsurprisingly but a little disappointingly i'm looking at some of the stuff i put together and be like that's eh, i don't know if that's really a strategy or if that's just something i want to happen uh, so you can't you know hope is not a strategy uh and i think i put a lot of hope on the page so i'm 
not totally back at square one, but I'm, I'm going to make some some adjustments, uh, adjustments, excuse me, to my approach moving forward. So strategy is one thing. I, I think strategy is a good topic right now. Um, I think everybody's thinking about that, right? Uh, most organizations run their fiscal year, you know, January to December, right? And they start over January one, um, with the exception of you know, like some some other organizations. So strategy is kind of on everybody's mind, right? What are the organizational goals for 2022 or whatever term it is? And I think when we talk strategy too, a lot of times people tend to get stuck in the tactical side of it, right? You start, you get your team together and you start talking strategy. And then what's the first thing that happens? People just start complaining, right? At least at least that's the kind of my experience. They talk about the way things are. Let's fix this process instead of thinking of the overarching goal of, of what you're trying to accomplish, right? Um, and it, for you, I don't know, when you sit down and you talk about strategy, with your team, and you're, you're starting to think of things that are going to be done next year, how do you keep it at a higher level to make sure you're still being strategic and not being intact? Yeah, it's, I think that's one of the tougher things um, for anybody. Uh, and that's a difficulty in, in defining strategy to begin with, uh, again, which I think is really the through line of this book that I was just talking about is, is are you actually building a strategy or are you just talking about things that you do? Um, or are you just setting goals? To me, the strategy is the how setting goals is great. Um, here's where I want to be at the end of this quarter or this year or whatever, but, but the strategy is in the how, um, but then making sure that how doesn't turn into the tactical day to day things. It's, it's more that like guiding, I don't want to say vision because that's become a buzzword too. So, um, I think for some people, it's making sure that, or or not for some people, but as a leader, it's. I like to try to put together strategies in a way that allow um, variance in the tactical, and actually leave that up to my tactical level employees. So here's where I want to be at the end of the year. Um, here's your left and right lateral limits. I think is a phrase we've used, you know, on the podcast a few times, and and anywhere in that play space, that's that's the tactical stuff. You figure out how you want that to happen. Um, you know, I don't care if we use red font or blue font as long as we use the font that communicates the message appropriately. Um, not that we do a lot of writing in red and blue, but uh, to use a stupid example. So the, so the, the day-to-day very granular how um, isn't to me as important as making sure that any, any little building block you're putting in there is driving uh, towards that strategic goal. Um, you know, one, one note I had from the book, um, a note I just took the other night is, uh, the core of strategy work is always the same. Discover the critical factors in a situation and design a way of coordinating and focusing actions to deal with those factors. So one thing he talks about, um, which is I think in some ways where, where we fall short a lot, is you actually, um, Jim Collins talks about the um, face, confront the brutal facts, right? And, and this author is saying something similar. Diagnose the problems. That's That's where the strategy needs to start. It's not just setting goals. We want to be the best podcast in the world by the end of the year. Great, you know, cool vision. But you know, what what are the specific things that you need to diagnose that are keeping you from being there, and then put in policies that can be executed that address that diagnosed problem and, and confront those brutal facts, as Collins would say. So, um, yeah, that that to me is, I think, a lot of times we, you know, unconsciously know what the problems are we want to solve. But it's that activity of sitting down and really writing them out and getting crystal clear about what they are. Um, you know that old thing: you got to ask why five times before you get to the end of it or get to the root cause of a problem. Um, all those things. So I, I think until you have a real clear picture of what the problem is and you've diagnosed it, you know your strategy isn't helpful anyway. Because you know, are, are you really driving it, fixing that thing, or overcoming that challenge? So. I think it's a great way to look at it. And, and when you're talking about the, the problem solving. Uh, when I know you were on the interview with Brett, but I'm I'm sure you'll listen to it as soon as it comes out. And he was talking about his, you know, his, mm-hmm. his methodology of plan, brief, uh, execute, debrief. Um, and and in the debrief part, he was talking about he wanted to spend ninety percent of the time talking about the things that went wrong, and it was specifically the facts. Right? He's like, I don't care. If you say you should have been here, you should have been there. It's like, no, let's talk about what actually happened. Uh, that is factual and leave it on a factual basis. So I think 
it's it's awesome that you're saying about bringing up the problems, right? So think about it from from a factual basis. What actually is the problem? That your five why things is a good way to get get to that, right? And get get away from the opinions or the thoughts or or what is it, the hypothesis and and get to the actual fact of the problem. Yeah, a uh, a good after action review AAR. I don't think you can underestimate the the power of that. Um, and it's something that's it's in, I think is increasingly difficult um, in today's day and age, and in, in knowledge work, and you know we we want to work for supportive, positive places, and everybody likes to hear they've done a good job. Um, so you know, this is another leadership skill or, or to be developed is, is the emotional intelligence to be able to communicate with people. You know, A, B, and C did not go right. Um, this isn't p- finger pointing, although maybe that was an individual's fault, and we can talk about that. Um, but this is, as you were saying, factually what happened, or here's what we wanted to happen. Um, here's what actually happened. Um, what, what was the delta between those two things? Um, and the what actually happened can sometimes be a positive. You know, we, we wanted to get 1,000 participants. Um, we got 2,000. Great. How did that happen? You know, that's, that's our best numbers to date. Was it the topic? Was it the marketing, um, whatever, or was it anything? Um, so I think, yeah, solid after-action review is is absolutely pivotal and, and you got to have again that's another instance of confront the brutal facts you know this isn't you know feel good about it time um you can run a a great event or, or have an excellent program and there's still things to improve so sit down and talk about what you wanted to happen what actually happened what the delta was in between those two things and how to adjust for that and plan for it next time um and sometimes that means holding people accountable not always sometimes it means holding yourself accountable as a leader you know i should have done a better job of communicating my expectations here or there um, and then I think if you if you take that and apply it to an entire year or an entire strategy, um, you know, let's say you had a one year strategic plan, you wrote down, and you know, by the end of FY twenty one, we want to have you know A, B, and C. Okay, it's the end of FY twenty one. I'm looking at my balanced scorecard. A lot of organizations use those. Um, did we achieve these goals? Why or why not? Um, are they still useful goals? You know, it's especially in today's day and age with how dynamic things are. A, a one-year, two-year, four-year strategic plan might not be valuable, um, you know, or, or there's parts of it that are going to change fundamentally, and you have to have the flexibility to do that. But if you're not taking those step backs and doing those after-action reviews or the debriefs, um, as, as Brett might say, you're just kind of flying in the dark, um, to use a pilot metaphor, I guess, <laughs> although he might laugh at me for that because I'm not a pilot, so I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. But uh, so I think, yeah, that's that's a really important way of looking at it. I like that. Yeah, and I think it's great that you bring it up too in, in goal planning, right? It's it's a lot of times we set goals, um, even on a personal level, and never stop to look and see, okay, did I achieve that goal? Why did I achieve that goal? Do I still even need to be achieving this goal? Um, I think a lot of it, you know, needs reflection, even when we talk about it on a personal level. I always I always can figure that. Uh, I always, you know use the analogy of like reading a map, right? It's like your goals are your destination and your strategy is how you want to get there, right? So if you're not constantly looking at your strategy, you could be off course somewhere and not realizing that you're not even going to your destination or your destination's changed. Um, So I think having that review process in there is super helpful, even when, when you're just talking about it from a personal level. And I know for different organizations, it means different things. Like you're, you were talking about knowledge management earlier um, when you're just talking and, and I know there's organizations that literally have whole departments, you know, just assigned to knowledge management, uh, you know, taking down the implicit knowledge, explicit knowledge and finding skill, skill gaps. Um, but, but I think there's great value in just reviewing things, right? Even if you're not a big organization and you don't have huge departments to dedicate people to, maybe it's just sitting down once a quarter with your key team members and saying, Hey, like, is this on course? Are, are we actually going the direction we should be going? Does this still make sense? I think those are conversations still worth having. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I would, I would add to that, that not only can your destination change on that map, but the um, you may be operating off an, an outdated map. Uh, maybe the terrain has changed. Maybe that road is closed. Uh, you know, maybe I was I was going to take this switch back down the mountain and then a flash flood washed it out entirely. And now I get there and there's a cliff. Right. So um, I think it's interesting. I, I told you guys uh, last when we recorded, I was reading that book, um, Born to Run. The author has subsequently written a book about um, 
like using mules or donkeys on like foot races. It's this weird thing. But anyway, I was listening to him on a podcast and he was talking about like a horse will run you clear off a cliff. That thing's just doing what you tell it to do. The interesting thing about a donkey is like people think they're stubborn. It's, it's like, no, they're actually just smart. Um, <laughs> they'll get up to that cliff and stop if it's the middle of the night and you can kick them and hit them and all you want, but they're not going to walk because they're not going to fall off the cliff. So um, I always thought that was kind of an interesting metaphor for, you know, what are the, who are the donkeys? Maybe it's people or maybe it's, you know, um, you know, different mechanisms or something. Maybe it's an AAR after every event or something like that. But what are, what are the donkeys? Maybe not who um, that in your organization or in your strategy that, that make sure you're not just walking off the cliff. Um, you don't want a team of, of blind horses that'll just let you, fall to your peril um so it's, it's useful to have those contrarian people and and mechanisms built in that that force you to take a look at the trail and look at the map every once in a while as well um so i like that map metaphor i think that's that's a useful one i like it too and i i, I definitely wouldn't call people donkeys but, but, no but, probably not a useful yeah, not, uh not a useful term uh, you're my donkey you're my favorite gonna, employee no definitely gonna burn some leadership capital um you know you, you've only got so many yeah. of those matches to burn um, and, and yeah. they're not a big well you can't call them an ass so that doesn't work but, there you go um and i like your idea of like <laughs> reinspecting the map right so like looking at where you are mm-hmm. and seeing if that is still the landscape and and the other thing you think of mm-hmm. like in different industries is a competitive landscape maybe you you charted out your competitive landscape, who your competitors were at the beginning of the year, but come, mm-hmm. you know, middle of the year, and we can think of, you know, 2020 as a perfect example. And um, 2021, the pandemic happens, and, you know, you could have been, you know, like a video conferencing company, and all of a sudden, now you need to have a virtual events product, and you have all these, you know, competitors coming up out of those woodworks and, and money being flushed in, and your map's out of date. Because you have competitors that, one, you might not even know that you have, um, and two, they're playing in spaces where you probably should be. So I, I like the idea of you know, that you brought up of reevaluating your map as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe your competitor has a better map, uh, and, and now you're, you're working with outdated information, or, or they've decided they're throwing the map out entirely and rewriting it. Uh, so it, there's, a, there's an idea of, uh, I think Ken Favreau is his name. Um, I think he wrote for Harvard Business Review, but I could be stating that incorrectly. But he talked about strategy as a series of questions, one of them being, you know, what what business am I actually in? Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily answer that question correctly, or at least um, maybe folks lower in your organization haven't really put a whole lot of thought to that. Um, so, yeah, are you even operating from the right map? Are you on the right grid on that map? Um, is your map up to date? How many times can I say map in a single podcast? Uh, but I, I think that's those are all questions you need to be asking yourself. And then that, to me, um, kind of leads me to my next point that, that was a big takeaway for me from this book was that, um, you know, strategy being a series of questions. Um, the author, uh, Richard Ramel, talks about, you know, a good, a good strategy is actually a hypothesis. It's not the answer. Um, so asking yourselves questions, falsifiable questions that like, okay, if you might get to the end of the year and find out that, that your strategic approach was wrong. Um, but again, are you asking yourself the right questions? But it's, it's a test that pushes that threshold. It's not, it's not the solution. Um, so I think, and you know, another line he has in the book is that a lot of people mistake goal setting for problem solving. Um, they're, they're not the same thing. So formulating a good hypothesis about where you think you can be you know, at a given at the end of a given period of time, um, or where you are in the market, and how to and how to best position yourself there, um, and then testing those assumptions um, is a good way to view strategy as well. So, um, these are all things that I'm certainly not necessarily an expert on, but things I'm working towards getting better at and, and asking the right questions. So, um, highly recommend this book if I haven't made that clear. But <laughs> seems like a good one. I haven't read that one. Um, and and when you were talking about the two, kind of reminds me of that. Simon Sinek book start with why I'm, I'm sure you've you've read mm-hmm. that too and that kind of touches on a lot of some of the points that you had just brought up it's like well why are you doing what you're doing do you, mm-hmm. do you know you, the why right. uh, behind mm-hmm. why your company exists who are you actually serving um, what business are you actually in and he frames a lot of stuff um, just in just in good questions by bringing up business examples, right, of different organizations and how they found their why and how it applies to different things. So I think that's also a good 
probably book to throw in with that one that you you're reading there. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, knowing, knowing what the core purpose of your business is, um, you know, other than, other than making money, which sometimes is the goal of business. And certainly you can't keep being a business if you're not doing that. Um, but is there something more behind it that's, that's going to drive employees through difficult times or help you decide where you want to be in the market or make difficult choices, uh, when those times come, um, certainly important. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned knowledge management, uh, earlier on one, 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 another interesting insight from this book that I've been thinking about is that, uh, the idea that everything that, that can possibly be known is already known, um, it, it deadens innovation to put it in the author's words. So, um, trying to think how to phrase this, but the idea that, you know, a, a hypothesis, again, to go back to that point is, is the idea is to push the knowledge of boundaries. So, if we already know that everything's known about science, then why form any new hypotheses? Um, but that doesn't make it easier. You can't just throw any old hypothesis to the wind and say, oh, you know, test this one out there. Again, they have to be falsifiable. There's there's a rigor behind it. Um, and I'm certainly no scientist or anything, but um, why is great. And it's an important starting point. Um, but there, you might you might find another why along the way. You might test some hypotheses. You might say, you know, is this is this product or service that I want to provide, for instance, you know, something that the market actually needs, um, or am I articulating what I'm providing well enough that the market recognizes they need me, um, or my people if I'm a leader or, or whatever, uh, or the strategy for for any given uh, organization. So, I, I think it really, the more we talk about this. Um, it really comes back to asking good questions, why being one of them. And then once you figure out that why, how, um, and uh, that the how piece is probably more the strategic approach. Uh, whereas the why is, is that, you know, unifying vision or North star or, or whatever you want to call it for your organization, but they need to go hand in hand. Um, I agree. I think, I think if, if an organization has its why or its mission or its overall, uh, statement, it makes it kind of easier to figure out what your strategic play is, right? If, if you know that you want to be the number one customer service organization or, or like whatever, maybe you're, you're like Zappos and you're trying to bring happiness to your customers and you're going to always push the envelope with being, you know, uh, customer experience, right? So then that makes the strategic decisions very um easy, right? So you know that everything that you do from a strategic level is going to revolve around that excellent customer experience uh it, it kind of helps you laser in and focus a little bit about what you should be doing or thinking about strategically because you have those objectives overarching of what the organization as a whole is trying to accomplish mm -hmm. yeah i think that that makes a lot of sense I, I like to look at it almost as um sometimes like guiding principles and those still aren't really strategy um but they're an important element of any strategic organization, I think I would say. So um, we've talked, I think every time I've been on the podcast, I've brought up, my, you know, reduce noise, increase clarity, build trust, save people time. Um, that in and of itself is not a strategy. Uh, you can, to me, you can apply that framework to any organization. Um, one thing I've actually been reflecting on is am I doing those things in my personal life? Am I doing those things for me? Um, reducing noise. I came in the other morning and my office was a mess. I was like, well, this this is noise. I, you know, I can't focus. There's all this stuff all over the place. So I spent an hour reducing noise and straightening up my office. As you can see, there's not piles of boxes and junk behind me anymore. So, um, but that's a whole different conversation, but you know, that, that was a guiding moment for or a moment where I could, I could test what I was doing, my how of a given day up against the guiding principle and say, does this stand? So, um, trying to remember where I was going with that specifically, but I, I think that the, <laughs> the why, um, you can, you can have some, some frameworks against which to test maybe your day-to-day, -day, your tactical level decisions. Um, and those, when they're aligned with your strategy, I think that's a powerful combination, I, I guess is what I was trying to get at. Um, no, and I'm reminded too, did you ever read that Jordan Peterson book? Uh, 12, I think it's 12 rules for life. Did you read that one at all? 12 rules for yeah, life. I think yeah. one of his, I did, yeah. uh, like the first rule, and I think it was like clean your room, wasn't it? Um, and it was yep. like give, yeah. give yourself, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, something to start your day off with 
right away with a successful win or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. It's been a couple of years since I've read that book, and I think he's even wrote right. um, a, a second one called. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that was the. F- mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually reading that second one right now, um, kind of slowly, a little bit at a time. I read a couple paragraphs, then I put it away for like three weeks and whatever, because um, he's certainly a very dense author. Um, <laughs> I think in in. Yeah, he writes about very complex issues and uh, and not without controversy, as as anybody listening might know if you've heard of him. But um, yeah, I don't know if clean your room is the first rule, um, but it's a from a purely pragmatic standpoint, uh, it's a great thing. There's a, is it Admiral Mc, Admiral McRaven who talks about you know make your oh, bed, maybe simple maybe things. You know, get, those two. Those two things. I think yep. the full Peterson rules. You yep. know, well they they there's some similarities. Um, you know, I think the the full Peterson rule is you know clean your room before you criticize the world and that, you know, it's a lot easier to point over there and say, this is jacked up or that's messed up. But, you know, look at, you know, what's, what's in the five feet around me that I can positively impact right now. One of those things is making sure that my own life is in order. Um, you know, people in glass houses, not throwing stones, the biblical reference of examine the spot in your own eye before that of your neighbor. Um, so there's, there's a lot of like times that story has been told or that advice has been given, uh, over the years. And I think it's, Pragmatically, it's a very good one. I, I think better when things are organized. I don't have to go looking for that thing that I swear I put right here yesterday and I need it today. Um, but then there's also probably some some levels of psychological clarity and, and quote-unquote noise reduction, to use my framework, um, that comes along with that. And it, it's probably a little bit deeper than just I know where the car keys are, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I think there's a – it's interesting when when we see this kind of – I don't know if archetypal is the right word, but those those kind of stories and, and pieces of advice being told over and over again by by reputable people throughout history, you know, as, as old as a biblical reference. Um, so yeah, that's, that's neat. Your thing, right? I, I, that, that probably ties into the strategy as well. Um, yeah, that goes back to your thought that nothing's Go new, ahead. right? Yeah. <laughs> like most things are not new, right? It's just, it's just come right. back along yeah. again. Um, mm-hmm. That's what they say with what like everything that's old right. is new again. And then, and then we see it come across again at some point in time, yep. just just packaged a different way, um, thought mm-hmm. on a different way. Yeah. So I think that's that's all fair points. So maybe all the knowledge is already known. <laughs> I don't know. Google knows an awful lot. I, I remember, you know, being a kid in the '90s trying to do a book report, and you were happy if you could use the encyclopedias, and if if you yeah. knew somebody who had the full stack of encyclopedias, uh, if you had all the encyclopedias, man, yeah. you you were you were doing well right if you had a through z you had the library of alexandria yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. so the information's there you just got to be yeah i think that's... to go out and seek it right mm-hmm. yeah i think an important thing um and this might might tie into the strategies discussion well is there is so much information out there um again that that goes to the the reduced noise and increased clarity piece of this but you know how do you know that the information you're getting is good and accurate and the most recent, you know, how do I know that this map I'm looking at is accurate? Um, and, and there's, that's, I think an increasingly difficult thing for us to do as individuals, um, just in our day to day lives, you know, there's all the social media channels, there's all the news channels, there's all the podcasts, there's all the, this, there's the, all of that. And then your buddy texts you something. Did you see what happened here and sends you some obscure link? And, um, you know, so being able to, you know, kind of dig through that all and, and find your own clarity. And, and sometimes that's maybe making some rules for yourself about, about what your guiding principles are going to be. But I, th- I think that also applies to larger organizations as well. You know, what, how do I know the data that I'm getting, the questions that I'm asking? Um, how do I know they're the right questions? And how do I know that the answers I'm getting from them uh, are accurate? I mean, data is available. Um, we were talking before we started recording about, um, email subscription services. I mean, that gives you a ton of data on your user base, open rates, bounce rates, how long did they read? What links did they click? All that stuff. But do you know it's accurate? Did you have 5,000 people open your email or did one person open it 60 times and now your numbers are skewed, right? Um, And does your data reporting service differentiate between those two things and how do you know and all that stuff. So um, any organization, any strategist or any individual, I think really needs, um, again, to kind of go back to the book I've been talking about, uh, you know, he, he talks about thinking like a strategist is thinking about how you think. Um, and that's a, I think that's a uniquely char- human characteristic. I think it's, uh, it was Stephen Covey who talks about that in seven habits of highly effective people. One of the things that 
you know, in his mind separates us from the animal world is that human beings can think about their own thoughts. Um, but do we always, <laughs> you know, are you taking the time to step back and say, okay, well, here's what I think. Um, or, or here's the quote unquote evidence for taking this strategic approach. Um, is my evidence accurate? Um, which I think circles back to, uh, you know, who's your, who's your donkey, you know, or what's your donkey? What, what are those things that's, that are, that are checking you and, and, you know, playing the contrarian and, and making sure that you're not walking off the cliff just cause you're using a bad map and, and, you know, walking in the middle of the night. So nothing like throwing back in a good old donkey metaphor, but, uh, <laughs> you know, as an interesting, <laughs> Hey, you, you yeah, got, thinking about our own thoughts, I think, is, is something we could all do a little more of. <laughs> yeah, or something like you you're talking about, um, you know, the, the whole thing about facts, and it reminds me of this this quote of, like, like Homer Simpson, uh, you know, the infamous guy, and he, it, this quote, when, like, this, it's like, facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. <laughs> so, like, it's like, yeah. you've got to stop and, and take <laughs> a mean, second yeah. to... to look and make sure that you know the facts actually are the facts mm -hmm. right are you looking at opinions or are you actually looking at facts right. um and it's just like we go back to the you know mm -hmm. you, you know the baseball analogy right there's a statistic for everything but you can make the statistics be so pinned mm -hmm. down that it's like hey you know this guy hits you know uh you know 272 left-handed on a friday when it's raining and then and you know like you said you you've, right. you've minimized that data set so far down that you're skewing your actual results mm -hmm. and is this data actually saying what you think it's saying and i think it's worth you know when you're especially mm -hmm. talking about strategy and you're, you're applying your data it's worth looking at your data set and saying okay is this what your data is actually saying to you um or is it saying something else and are we just framing it the way we want to see it. So I think sometimes, you know, having those different, differing opinions from your own is helpful, right? Um, a lot of people think that having people who are yes people um, or who think like they do is the way to go. But for me, it's like, I want somebody to challenge my ideas, right? Because I know that I don't know everything, right? And somebody else is going to know something that I don't know. And there's maybe some glaring hole somewhere that I'm not seeing and that they can probably see clearly. Right. No, I think that's all really, really interesting and, and, and insightful. And, you know, I don't know that we're in a, in, in a unique time. I think this has probably all, always been true to some degree. Um, but, you know, you really can't, we are in a day and age where you can, you can kind of pick which facts you want. Um, and it doesn't mean that, that fact A, you know, we both see a thing happen and, and I see fact A and you see fact B, um, those two things in isolation might be at odds with one another, but it doesn't mean that either of them are inaccurate. Um, it means that you're not looking at the whole picture. And that's, that's a really important thing for a leader and a strategist to be able to do is to the best of their ability with our limited, limited, excuse me, uh, human cognition abilities, you know, be able to see the forest for the trees. Um, and, and really like, okay, I'm, I'm not hyper-focused on this tree. I think, you know, to reference, uh, it's either Steve Covey or, um, or John C. Maxwell. I'm now mixing up my leadership authors, but um, they're pretty similar authors too. The, the manager's job is, to, yeah, they, they write a lot of the same stuff, so that's probably why they've molded in my head, but uh, or melded rather. But you know, the, the manager's job is to is to be out front in the jungle, thrashing through and, and cutting down the vines and making sure people can get through. The leader's job is to climb a ladder and make sure you're in the right jungle. Um, so I think that's that's a, that's that see the forest for the trees in, in a more more literal metaphor. Um, but it's so important. Again, there's so much data that you can make the data say anything you want. Again, whether that's in your personal life, I can, um, you know, not to turn this into a, a political or a current events podcast, but I can watch MSNBC or I can watch Fox. They're reporting more or less the same happenings, if you will. I don't, I won't use facts necessarily because uh, there's some infotainment and all that. That's probably a five-hour podcast on its own there are a lot of podcasters talking about that stuff we'll leave it to them but but the point being as a consumer of information um i can pick which type of channel and and what type of you know temperature and and what tilt i want on the facts um so then again you know we need to take that step back um and think about our own thoughts why am i thinking this way why do i have um this this quote-unquote gut feeling to to take the organization or my team in this direction um, and, and there might be the, you know, am I getting the, am I getting the Fox news data or am I getting the CNN data or am I getting the MSNBC, you know, 
politics and news preferences aside, just differentiating uh, different angles of particular sets of data. You know, where is this coming from? Um, you know, the IT uh, offices tell me like we need to do this right away, um, but the the administration office is saying, well, no, this is more important. Well, of, of course, IT thinks the IT stuff's more important. And of course, the admin office thinks this new HR policy, for instance, might be more important. Um, as the leader, as the strategist, um, you know, in my line of work as a communicator, uh, you know, being able to figure out which one of those things is more important or better yet when you can connecting the dots between two of them, the two of them and, and kind of, you know, killing two birds with one stone. Um, it's a really difficult thing to do. And, and I don't think any one individual has ever mastered it, but, but good strategists can do that. And to your point earlier about having contrarians and, and people on your team, you know, good leaders do that through good advisors who bring them to the best of their ability, good facts and good data points um, that allow them to make the right decisions. So, I mean, I'll solve mouthful right there. I feel like we could just have another podcast episode just completely yeah. on on uh, facts and opinions. <laughs> For some reason, I've reminded yeah, you, like, I mean, maybe your, we, maybe we your, your kid's really young, but um, you know, there there was this Disney movie. Uh -huh. Uh, that my son was huge into um, for a while, and it's it's the uh, I can't even remember the name of it right now. Inside Out, and like this girl, like they, they go inside her head, and she has all these emotions, uh -huh. and one of them's her imaginary child, and he knocks over a train of her thoughts, and he's like, oh, he's like, I, you know, I spilled this over these facts and opinions. He's like, I can never tell which ones are the right, are 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 actually facts or opinions. He's like, it doesn't matter, just throw them all in the box, they're all the same. <laughs> but, but, but I digress. You know, the kids' movies are come, coming coming uh, your way. Um, but I, I think that's a great point, right? Yeah. Like it, it's easy to be influenced when, yeah. um, you know. And uh, you know, I'm going to leave media out of this, but I'm just saying, even you know, it's easy to be influenced when you sit in an echo chamber, right? So it's 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 helpful to have those varying different opinions to kind of and make you think that hey you know you could possibly be wrong right I, you know i'm always of the mind that i can learn anything from everybody and i don't know everything so i, I could possibly be wrong and change my mind 10 minutes from now from something i thought before it's not that that's bad it's just that i learned some new information that i didn't know before that is helpful for me now and back to your map thing right your terrain right it, it changes the terrain um if as long as we're not you know closed-minded and we're willing to listen to other individuals uh, it, it can help us move our strategy forward our organization forward faster yeah i think i would argue that it, it not only helps but it's it's imperative i mean a, a leader who's not willing to change um their opinion or, or their mind on something i mean how many examples in history do we have of you know the old try if, if at first you do not succeed try try again and to the demise of, you know, it, um, you know, this didn't actually happen with the Titanic, but the metaphor being, you know, well, you know, captain, we're, we're driving right in an iceberg. No, we're not. There's no icebergs. This is the, you know, there's no icebergs in these waters. Well, we're driving at it. It's getting closer. There's no icebergs in these waters. And then you hit the iceberg, you know, um, I think there's probably a million, uh, a million and one examples of that in business and, in, and, you know, read any you know military history book and you know um you can see examples of just refusing to alter strategy refusing to again confront the brutal facts of your situation uh, as jim collins might say um can lead to your demise and and a good leader um doesn't fear that contrarian information um they they welcome it they embrace it um Sometimes that can be walking a tightrope too. In a, in a given situation, you, you don't want your you know your employee town hall meetings to just turn into gripe fests, and and you got to be able to manage that that leadership presence and manage your teams to a point where I'm, I'm not asking for an airing of grievances. I'm asking for for opinions and, and ways we can be doing better. Um, and it's a difficult thing to do, especially with difficult discussions. Um, you know, in, in the middle of a pandemic, maybe you're doing a layoff or your your business model needs to change and, and people are resistant to that change. Um, and there might be some really good points mixed in with the anger, mixed in with the fear, mixed in with the, you know, union grievances, mixed in with all that stuff. You got to kind of put that in a box and say, okay, all these things are happening. Um, but is there useful feedback in here? What's the trend? What am I getting back from my folks that's that's worth listening to? Um, and, and not fearing changing your mind if it's the right thing and being honest about it. I think that's one of the um, great strengths that a leader can demonstrate as well is that like 
hey, when we started, strategy was A, and, and I was all for it, and I asked you all to do a whole lot of things. We're halfway through, this isn't working, and I think I figured out why, probably, hopefully based on some feedback from that team. Mia culpa, right? That's on me. We're now going direction B. Um, we got a better map, or we updated the map. Uh, to keep using that analogy, and and this is the direction we're going to go. Um, I think that's an empowering moment for any leader. It's also terrifying, um, and and it's also if you can, if you find yourself doing that once a week, um, maybe you need to take that step back and and not be trying to. Maybe you're micromanaging. Maybe you're trying to over. You're trying to force things that that should be happening. Um, I realize I'm I'm in the middle of talking a lot, but that's one of those. I've found that if I'm changing direction a lot with a team or, or with a project, I'm probably not doing enough listening. I'm probably doing too much directing because those those telltale signs or those those flags or whatever you want to call them, uh, or those messages from my employees or my teams or my customers, they were probably there all along. I was just too busy go 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 or talk talk talk, um, and I wasn't listening and observing the way I should be. So. Don't be afraid to change your strategy and listen to your people. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 100% right. And I know early on, Brian and I, in our podcast, we had somebody who uh, specialized in organizational development. And when you're talking about that thing, he had something like, geez, I'm trying to remember, mm-hmm. like a question, question to statement ratio. So he's like, every time I would sit and talk, he's like, I would mark mm-hmm. down if I was asking a question or if I was making a statement. Um, and he would you know, just tag his ratio and keep track of it. He's like, I want to be asking more questions than I am making statements. Um, and I thought, oh, that's a pretty neat idea. I've mm-hmm. never thought about sitting around here and saying, okay, am I making a statement or am I asking a question? Um, it, am I trying to clarify more what's being said right. or am I just voicing my opinion by making a statement? Um, I was like, oh, that's a pretty neat little trick to just kind of keep your mm-hmm. mind on track. And I'm reminded of, you, of your thing, too, where you've got, what you say, you got your post-it note that says, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said right now? Does this need to be said by me? <laughs> um, it's almost the exact same thing, but but a different phrasing. Yeah, so it's like mm-hmm. being understanding that, you know, especially when you're a leader, is that you, you hire people to do jobs, right? To be experts in their given area. Um, so, so let them do what they're there for and help, you know, you're there to still, you know, guide the ship, right? But you, you don't have to row it and, and tell it every direction it needs to go every which way. You just got to say, hey, we're going over there. Make sure we go this way. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's a neat trick. I might actually try that. Um, I think in this podcast, my questions is at zero. Uh, I feel like I've just been making a lot of statements. Um but I, I guess to, to to break that trend, what um, I'll, I'll I'll turn what was going to be a comment and in, in, into a question, and we'll see see how this works. But um, what do you think is the threshold between asking questions and providing direction, or what should the balance be as a leader or a manager of a team, um, with the thought in mind that maybe your team really is coming to you for help, that they don't know what to do, or or they don't know what the next step is and and they're asking and they come to you and all you have is questions um what are your thoughts on on balancing that or or reading the situation so for me since since i come from a technical background i'm kind of used to this a lot right we us tech people speak in languages that people are like i don't know what you said to me (laughs) or or even what this means uh, so, so when I get to the question thing, that's why you need communications experts. Exactly. Well, we need everybody, right? Everyone always thinks their department's the most important <laughs> one, but really, we're a team and we did it all. But, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, I've dealt with this even from my consulting standpoint. It's like you're asking questions to get to the root of the um, issues that are at hand, and sometimes you can find where you said you're asking questions and you realize that they don't know what they're saying, and that's when I might make a statement. But I might form it as a as another question. I might do the Home Depot help guy. We can like, like, hey, you know, I'm looking for the hammers. So it's like, oh well, can you tell me what you're trying to do here? <laughs> right. I, I find sometimes when I ask, like, <laughs> what are we trying to achieve, or what's what would make this project successful? Mm-hmm. A lot of times I can get clarifying direction of what's actually trying uh, to be said, um, or if people feel like lo- if they're lost. Sometimes, like I said, I can find. Where I can put a question on a question to get what I need. I know that sounds weird, but um, I find it really helpful to, to stop back and say, okay, well, what are we trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do? Or what will make this successful? Mm-hmm. What about for you? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that all that all makes sense. Yeah, no, that that all makes sense to me. I think that um, one thing that I'm I'm primed to do, and I think a lot of you know leaders or aspiring leaders or people with with um, you know similar personalities might might be you know you're, we're we're primed to be problem solvers. That's a uh, that's another um, Steve Covey thing. You know we're we're primed to be problem solvers, um, and this goes back to this idea of listening and. And sometimes what you need to do is, is tone that back so that you can so you can hear um, instead of provide answers. So, um, yeah, to my post-it note example earlier, you know, that's one thing that I, I try to try to do. Um, I'm you know better at it than I used to be, but probably still have a long way to go. Is is make sure that I'm I'm letting the other person get their full thought out. First of all, you're not cutting in with a question. Um, sometimes when I'm sometimes I'll do the question thing right, but it's like oh they didn't really finish their paragraph, so maybe I'll let them talk a little more you know i can still have that question you know in three minutes i can let them keep talking it's not going to go away um so that's one thing i've tried to be better about taking notes about what questions i have rather than firing them off because i think part of my you know fear for lack of a better term is like that was an important question to me but if i don't get it out right now i'm going to forget and then i'm going to forget to know that thing and then they're going to ask me for my opinion and i'm going to give them the wrong thing so um taking notes and and being you know being present in the actual conversation, not thinking about your question, um, is, is a useful tactic. I think it's also making sure that you doing your best to build, you know, a quote unquote psychologically safe environment where people feel comfortable asking you questions. Um, and, and that then goes kind of two directions for me. It's one is that, um, you don't want an employee who's just constantly asking you for the answer because they're not challenging themselves. They're not pushing themselves. Um, most people that, that have that habit, it's just that it's a habit. It's not a laziness. It's not a, I don't want to work. It's a last place I worked. Um, my boss would just give me the answer or last place I worked. If I screwed up or did something my boss didn't like, and he or she didn't know about it ahead of time, I got in trouble. Um, and, and those, those can be two reasons why somebody's just always asking for permission instead of, you know, telling you their intent or, or coming to you to, Hey, I think I know what I want to do, but, but can I bounce this off you and get your thoughts? But, you know, I kind of have the solution, right? Um, that's what I want when my employees come to me with a question is I've thought through this. I think I know the right answer or here's a few courses of action that I've thought through. Um, but what do you think, you know, or, and, and even if that's a peer or a friend, it doesn't necessarily have to be a boss employee uh, or leader follower situation. So getting folks from that, you know, fear side of things to the, I intend to, but I want to make sure you're good with this um, side of things. And sometimes by, by asking the questions of the questioner, you can you can kind of nudge them from from this one extreme all the way to, to the other where you want them, which is that, hey, hey, John, how do I do this? Or how do you want me to handle this? Well, how do you think you should handle it? And then shut up, <laughs> you know, uh, and well, I hadn't I hadn't really thought of it. So, OK, well, why don't you think about it? Take the afternoon and get back to me when you when you have some thoughts. Um, is it urgent? Is it important? Are you genuinely confused or have you just not really thought about it? Um, and again, saying those things, maybe not so much in the condescending tone that just came out of my voice, but, but getting to that end state that's, that's, you know, Hey, I, I want you to really think about this. I want you to come with me with solutions. I'll tell you if, if I disagree. Um, and maybe I genuinely don't know. We'll figure it out together. Um, try it, you know, as long as it's not unethical or immoral or illegal, um, and no one's going to get hurt. I don't know. Try it. See what happens. Uh, <laughs> don't bankrupt the company. Uh, don't go to jail. And we'll see what happens. So to me, I think it's, it's that continuum, I guess, to, to put a bow on this whole thought is that I, I, I want to get away from a fear mentality of asking questions to an exploration and to a um, an empowered exploration maybe is an even better way of putting it. That's perfect. Perfect spot to wrap. I think you're right. Um, and I'll, I'll just leave it on this one note. Peter Margaritas, who, who we've had on the show before, and this whole thing was improv. And I thought he had a great way of doing that he's like when you're communicating with another individual he goes are you listening to understand them or are you just listening to respond and i think that sums up everything that you just said perfectly right are we listening to be active and present and understand what's being communicated to us or are we just waiting for them to stop so that so that we can say what we were going to say um, and i think that goes a long way uh and with that i i know you well, it sounds like uh no go ahead 
I was going to say, it sounds like he's a better communicator to me than me because he said all of that in a sentence and it took me about <laughs> three minutes to get through. But yeah, no, but, good uh, stuff. I like it. Yeah. It's, um, so it, with that, I mean, you brought up the one book. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind? I know we, we've kind of done a couple here. Um, is there anything else other than that one? As far as strategy books, um, you know, this is the one that's really front and center. There's a uh, Harvard Business Review. Um, it's like a compilation of articles. It's just called On Strategy from HBR uh, that I highly recommend. It's got some stuff in there from like Michael Porter um, and from some other pretty influential business writers. Um, I think Clayton Christensen might have some stuff in there. He's the author of The Innovator's Dilemma uh, and the, the famous uh, talk, how, how Will You Measure Your Life? Um, so I, I recommend that it's, I think that some of it's a little bit dated, but, but good strategy is good strategy. Um, and again, one, one thing that I'm increasingly cognizant of, um, when I go back and look at some books, you know, I got shelves full of books over here is there was a time I think where I took whatever the author was writing at face value. And then now I read, so I've read a number of strategy articles and books that, that I think were written probably by these, you know, consulting firms that are just there to help you get a document together they don't really care if it works or not and then they're out and on to the next one um and then i read this book by rumelt and it's like he's like throw half that in the trash and i was like oh man i need to reread all my strategy books <laughs> you know um so again can uh so there, i think that uh that that's just to say that anything you read in in one of those articles or a strategy book challenge it against another book challenge it against your own thoughts and experience um, but those would be two that I recommend. So Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by Richard Rimmelt, Um And then the, uh, the HBR collection on strategy are two great places to start if, if you've never read anything on strategy at all uh, or if you just want to you know, sharpen that sword a little bit. Two, a couple great ones. And I'll, I'll add one uh, more. And I already said start mm -hmm. with why. That, that's a good read and that'll help you even from a personal level too but another one along those lines is good to great by uh jim collins i don't know if you've ever read that one mm. but i think that's a great yeah. easy read it's maybe what like 200 pages 300 pages but it just goes through how yeah. companies um you know go from being kind of middle of the road to being high performing organizations and a lot of it is just strategy based mm -hmm. and asking the right questions so i think that's also a good sure. um yeah, I, I can't. That can you know benefit you from an organizational level and a personal level as well too. Sure. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to start to cut you off there, but yeah, I was going to say I can't recommend uh, that book enough. Jim Collins is, is a fascinating writer and um, someone who really, you know, his advice confront the brutal facts. It, it seems to me he takes that advice in writing his books. He's he's like I don't. He's very data centric and challenges assumptions, and it's a. It's a heck of a read, so I would I would probably add that to my strategy list as well. Highly recommended. Right to the point. I mean, they're not overly long. You can generally mm -hmm. finish them in a day or yep. day or two, maybe a weekend. Um, if you're if you're mm -hmm. a good reader, and the audiobooks mm -hmm. are generally pretty well done, so it's it's a good add. And I guess with yep. that, we will um, close it yeah. out. Brian will be back on the next one. We hope. Uh, we'll put out our milk cartons. Um, <laughs> yeah. If, if you see Brian, please call one eight hundred. But now with that, um, everybody, we'll see you on the next episode, and thanks for joining us.